You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick. Someone's horny here, I don't know. The Big Show does not condone any such behavior down in the Scotiabank saddle, though. Nor would we endorse anything like that. And Matty Rose. Great, okay, what is it? One of your worst. On Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour number two, it's The Big Show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the bottom of the hour. Uh, live from the winter meetings in Nashville, Mr. Shai Davidi from Sportsnet. Jays, Juan Soto, ah? Shohei Otani, ah? Maybe. They're just teasing us. Aren't they? They're not going to get either of them. That's essentially what's going to happen here. You no, know, I'm not going to be pessimistic. I'm going to be positive Pete this morning. Like they're getting them both. Boom. Our big show flames analyst, Mr. Brent Cron, in studio for the 8 o'clock hour. And um, today is day one of our Wild Rose Brewery 12 Days of Christmas. Every weekday between now and December 19th, myself and Matt will open up uh, the virtual advent calendar on air. Your chance to win day one today. Very simple. 960-960, name and location on the text line. What's the one thing the Canucks will learn about Nikita Zadorov that they don't already know? What's the one thing the Canucks will learn about Nikita Zadorov that they don't already know. Open up the hood and be like, this is a diesel? What? <laughs> I can't put gas in this? That's crazy. Yeah. I thought uh, this was an EV. How many, how many, look at that carburetor. I don't know. I, That's really good. I yeah, like I, when you talk cars. Car speak? Yeah. Yeah. It's your Johnson Rod carburetor. Is yeah. it working right? Catalytic converters, and yeah, stealing them and stuff, yeah, all over the place, yeah, right on. Um, nine sixty, nine sixty, name trade and trade those in for cash. Location, um, Elliot Friedman, uh, it's a must-watch on the uh, Hockey Night broadcast in the second intermission. His headlines, he had something super, super interesting to say uh-huh. about the Calgary Flames oh. and potentially trading not one but two defensemen. If you missed Frege on Saturday night, uh, here's what he said about the Flames and Maple Leafs potentially coming together on a trade that didn't happen. There was an attempt by the Toronto Maple Leafs to get both Tanev and Zadorov from Calgary. Now, from what I understand, the issue here was that the Maple Leafs and the Flames could not agree on what it would cost for Calgary to keep up to 50% of the salary on both players. I don't know what the exact percentage was that Toronto asked, but it was up to half, and the two sides couldn't figure out that compensation in addition to just the compensation for the players. So as a result, Tanev and Zadorov to Toronto didn't happen. Zadorov goes to the Canucks. Okay, so uh, a lot to unpack there. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, wow. Second of all, I don't know how I would have felt if the Flames traded Zadorov. Zadorov, fine. Again, we talked about it on uh, Friday. Don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. You want it out. That's fine. But trading Tanev and Zadorov to the Maple Leafs, I just think what would have been the package in return that the Flames would have received from the Maple Leafs? What was Tree willing to give up to the Flames to get both of those guys? Because obviously, Tanev is exactly what the Maple Leafs need, a right-handed defenseman who can play big minutes and sacrifice his body and winning the playoffs for you. He's exactly what they need. But the fact that they almost got both of them, I don't know how I would have felt about that. Maddie, if, if, if they would have traded both of them to the Leafs, how shocking 
would have that been? But now are you intrigued with what potentially would have been the package in return? Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by what it would have been. Um, I, I, I don't think I'm overly surprised because I think when you look at the blue line and you look at the past history, like Elliot had been kind of talking about the Leafs trying to get both of them for feels like at, at least a month now on 32 Thoughts and the occasional chat on, on the Merrick show when they talk about the Flames. But that that would have been a big deal for sure you know you get a third and a fifth here for zadorov um all accounts make it sound like the flames want a a bigger they have a bigger price on chris tanev than nikita zadorov which makes sense um like there's a couple of prospects that i'm i'm interested in and and i think are are intriguing names fraser minton who's playing in the with the saskatoon blades uh this year in the whl got traded to saskatoon who's a pretty good team here in the dub, and, and one of their better prospects who really impressed at this year's training camp. Nick Abruzese is another guy that played at Harvard. You know, the Leafs don't have a second-round pick for the next three years, so you start to wonder what it would have looked like in that sense because I'm sure that you would have fought into second, at least, for Tanev. Maybe a first plus a, a middling prospect. I don't know what it would have been, but the biggest thing here is that in order to do it, the Flames would have had to retain 50% on both players. Yeah. And you use both your retention spots, and then you don't have another one for Hannafin and Lindholm, which are probably going to be the contracts that you really want to make sure you can retain on because those are the big big prizes that you have for this year's trade deadline. How do you think Flames fans would have felt if both of those guys went to Toronto to help out the Leafs? I don't, I don't think it matters as long as the return is good. Uh, Flames fans haven't really cared that the Flames traded Zadorov to the Canucks, and the Canucks and the Oilers are way less like compared to the Leafs. Right. I also don't think it's enough to put the Leafs over the top and win a cup, so I don't really care. Just try and get your prize from them. That's all that really matters if you're a Flames fan. Who cares what happens after? It's irrelevant. That's how I saw it, and I think Flames fans would agree. Uh, I, I just I think it would have been fascinating what Tree would have been willing to give up. Uh, for a potential deal that both of those guys going to Toronto doubled their blue line. But watching I Leaf think that fans, this also had a little bit of Craig Conroy being like, all right, Brad, listen, here's the deal. If you're not going to up your cost, I'm going to trade him to I'm going to trade him to Vancouver. Yep. Because Sorry, Elliot, Elliot said on 32 mm-hmm. Thoughts this weekend that prior to the deal, the day before the deal, the Flames kind of threw up the flag and said, hey, I'm letting you guys know. Yep. Last yep. call. I think. Going once, going twice, three times, he sold. Vancouver's won the deal. I think there was maybe a sentiment out there when, when Tree Living went to Toronto. Like, oh, man, yeah, there's going to be so many trades with Toronto and Calgary, and Tree's going to be able to you know, be a hold Conroy over a fire and all this thing. And I good on it. If that's the whole case, like Conroy stuck to his guns, man, and, and stood tall on, on this trade. Like, the whole thing in this thing is, like, the salary retention. The Flames need the money. Just to yeah. float guys back and forth from here to the Wranglers, man. And that matters a lot for this team. Not just like, oh, well, we got to pay half a Tanev and half a Zadorov for the rest of the year. Well, that kind of soils up. Well, we can't bring in Coronado. We can't bring up Soloviev. We can't do all this stuff. So good on Craig Conroy for saying no to Toronto. Like, who the hell are the Leafs? Just because they're the Leafs doesn't mean they think they can get everything. The reason this deal got done is because of Chicago's current situation. Because that's a great point. They lost Corey Perry. Yep. Done for the year. What lost, happened? Really? They lost Taylor Hall, done for the year with injury. Yep. All of a sudden, you've lost two top six guys and Anthony Beauvillier. They need somebody to play for them. On a $4 million <laughs> cap hit. They had the room in Chicago. And this was a guy that I think Chicago was probably saying, okay, we'll take Beauvillier off your hand, but we also want a, a pick or something because this is a cap dump for you. Yeah. 
But all of a sudden, the tables turn. Chicago loses two veteran pieces, and all of a sudden, Vancouver's going, all right, well, you need him now. We'll take a fifth-round pick back. All of a sudden, they've got all this cap space, and the Flames can trade all of Zadorov's contract, and Vancouver can take it all on, and, and everything kind of fell into place after that. Did the Leafs have a $4 million player that they were willing to ship to the Blackhawks to help them out that could have made this a different situation? I don't know. Perhaps. Quick gander here. <laughs> Max Domi. That would have cost but a lot. The other thing here is that everybody on the Leafs has no trade clauses of yeah. some variety. Yeah, just fair. give them out like candy. So, But also, this obviously doesn't close Three. the door on Tanev potentially going to the Leafs eventually. No. Because it absolutely does Sign not. Sign their July 1, all he cares. And, and again, maybe Tree would up their offer. But but at the same time, like... It's tough with Toronto because, like I said, they don't have a second-round pick for the next three years. <laughs> they don't have a first-round pick in 2025. Yeah. They have... They are so trading that first-round pick. They have They have to. This one and, this year? Yeah. yeah they yeah, have yeah, to. Yeah, they will. It's yeah, just the same with the guys but, up there. But the other thing, they too, to is trade that... Their first round they, pick. They're Tanev, a win-now team. You have to win now. Tanev's not getting you a first-round yeah. pick back. So that's where I'm like, I don't know what you get from the Leafs because right. Tanev will have what, tons what do you of want? Like He's four like, thirds? Like, like there's the, like eight teams that were interested in Tanev throughout, like New Jersey, oh, no. Dallas. There'll be oh, more teams at the like, deadline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Colorado. that's But again, like, real quick here, uh, the Leafs and Oilers trading their first round picks, like the Penguins trade their first round picks. Problem is the Penguins have three banners to yep. show for trading all their first yep. round picks. And the Leafs and Oilers have zero. Uh well, Lately, the Oilers don't even trade their first. Really, I mean, they did last year. I should the Leafs? Oh, yeah, the Leafs. Yeah, the Leafs first, shipped right? that thing out like candy. Yeah, even giving away their first uh, to get rid of Patrick Marlowe, too, which ended up in a really good player uh, for the Hurricanes. Sure did. It was uh, Seth Jarvis. Yeah, wasn't he's it? pretty what good. Boy. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, very fascinating. And again, this is all, you know, sure we keep talking about who's the, who the Flames going to trade, but the Flames potentially could be in a playoff spot come to deadline. That's what makes this even more fascinating. After watching him on Saturday night, and this is something we can talk to Brent Cron about, and I know, Maddie, you're maybe not the biggest fan, but I think Noah Hannafin's played really well lately. No, I'm... Uh, again, like, I am... I'm okay if, you know, maybe if one that extension, like, yeah. and if, and, if and he's him. a guy, because he's been good, and he's showing his offensive side, and he's Maybe because it's contract here, Noah Hannafin, he's really starting to show the offensive side of his game. I think he's been really good here lately, and he's a guy that I'm like, I kind of want to see him on the blue line here long term because although the guy has a lot of miles on him, he's still a very young dude because he's been in the league for so damn long. Um, this has changed drastically from when we talked about it in the offseason, but I was having a conversation with our pal, Patty Steinberg, on Saturday. I'm not familiar the, with that name. The question was... <laughs> who of the three UFAs do you think that they should definitely trade? I said Elias Lindholm. Hmm. I've come around that of the three left, I would try to re-sign one of the defensemen, either Tanev on a Michael Backlund type of contract or Noah Hannafin on a... Eight by eight? A Uyghur type of contract. Yep. Uh, uh, I don't like seven. eight by eight. eight by uh, yeah, but defensemen are like quarterbacks in the NHL. They just get overpaid, and that's just yeah. just based on the position 100%. scarcity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's just the, so, that's just the landscape so, of the NHL. One hundred percent. Like, but, I get your point here. Yeah, my Hannafin point is that I, I, I would like term. to keep one of the two defensemen if if you can, if the money makes sense and everything. Because I think we've seen here lately that listen, when this team is kind of set into place and and things are starting to click with the group a little bit, and they're rolling four lines and and they're working hard, which I think is one of the the biggest 
things that we've mm-hmm. seen turn around their season here is that the 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 hard work has been tangible, then this can be a pretty good team. So listen, I I don't know where Hannafin's at. I don't know where Tanev is at. I think that the team is pretty wise to just see how things are going to play out for the next month or so. Yep. See what happens after the holidays and, and kind of go from there and assess where you're at and, and what you want to do because I think they're going to be realistic about this year and balancing that with the future of the Calgary Flames because yep. Craig Conroy, as much as he's been in the organization for a long time, I think he sees this as a new story for the Flames and he and he's starting from scratch and, and that's fine. Yeah, uh, Elias Lindholm turned uh, 29 on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hannafin turns 27 uh, next month, and he's so played again, like 800 NHL games, right? And he at 26, like I still think there's room for improvement with Noah Hannafin. I think he can get better. I, I really do at this point of his NHL career. But again, fascinating times for the Calgary Flames. Who knows? It might be in a playoff spot around the deadline, which makes things even more intriguing. And it was kind of worst case scenario we talked about in the summer, but also just for the fact of our show. It's like incredible talk show are fodder I, that are you in a playoff spot? Who are you trading? What's going on? Just a lot up in the air for the Calgary Flames. It wasn't on the pros and cons list, but the fact that, you know, it is going to be a whirlwind of making decisions around the deadline. I think getting the Zadorov thing out of the way and having that decision made, I think that's a another little sneaky benefit for the Flames here. Um, more on the Flames 4-3 loss to the Canucks on Saturday night. Brent Cron, our Big Show Flames analyst, joining us in studio at the top of the hour. We're also giving away day one of our 12 days of Christmas, courtesy of our good friends at Wild Rose Brewery. We're asking you at 960-960, name and location. What's one thing the Canucks will learn about Nikita Zadorov that they don't already know? What's one thing the Canucks will learn about Nikita Zadorov that they don't already know? 960-960, name and location, straight ahead. Are the Blue Jays getting Juan Soto? Huh? Are the Blue Jays getting Shohei Otani? What? Shai Davidi live from the baseball winter meetings in Nashville next. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the top of the hour. Our big show Flames analyst, Mr. Brent Cron, in studio. We're also giving away day one of our 12 days of Christmas, courtesy of Wild Rose Brewery. We don't know what you're going to win. We're going to open up the on-air advent calendar, and uh, we'll do that around 845, but you got to send us a good text. 960-960, name and location. What's one thing the Canucks will learn about Nikita Zadorov that they don't already know? 960-960, name and location. But it's right stolen. now... stolen. Oh. Okay. It's a stolen vehicle. Okay. Yeah. Um, right now, though, on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, uh, live from the baseball winter meetings in Nashville, Sportsnet baseball columnist, Mr. Shai Davidi. Hey, Shai, how are you? I'm all right. What's going on? Uh, have you have you run down Broadway Street yet? You're a, you're a runner. You're a jogger. What, what's what's your what's your what's your path? What's your route uh, in Nashville when you're running this morning? So when you're at the winter meetings in Nashville, you're at the Opryland Resort, which is. Uh, I don't know the city very well, but it's nowhere near anywhere you'd want to be in this city. Oh, okay. um, And you're sort of enclosed in this, uh, you know, giant greenhouse, like this this greenhouse city, like with glassed over ceilings. So you kind of feel like you're more trapped. So my exercise for, I mean, just I've only been here one day, but it's been limited to walking this vast expanse and, 
you know, 15,000 steps just within the, the confines of this resort. And uh, beyond maybe a trip to the gym, I don't know that there will mm. be much running beyond that. So it's essentially country music Disneyland. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yeah, I mean, sort of or like country, uh, country music Las Vegas hotel kind of thing where, you know, the, where you, the, the place where you are is essentially its own self-contained city. And, you know, just, just finding a way out of it into fresh air is, is an achievement. Have you been, I'm, we're looking at the photos of where you're at. Have you been down the water slide? <laughs> Have you done the water slide? I, I've not done the water slide. I've not done the boat in the uh, filthy man-made river or anything <laughs> along those lines either. Do it's you think like, Ross Atkins yeah. has done the slide? <laughs> I, I, that I, I that I could I don't know for a fact, but I would be but I'd bet my house that he has not. Oh, you mean him and Mark going down going we <laughs> tandem? Yeah, tandem. Anyway, I'm just being stupid. Yeah. Sorry, Shy. Don't answer that question. Um, Shy, I don't know. Uh, all of a sudden, all this Shohei Otani talk, and it's getting Blue Jays fans really excited. And now, all of a sudden, Juan Soto's name is thrown into the mix. Is this a typical, oh, Jays were so close getting one of these guys? Or do you think there's a legitimate chance they might land one of these guys and heaven forbid, Shy, both? Well, the way that I'll, so they are definitely engaged and trying and one of the finalists for Shohei Otani. Will they get him? Nobody outside his very small inner circle knows what he's thinking. So I wouldn't hazard anything that I'd offer. It would be just a guess. And I'm not sure there are enough tea leaves that to, to read that you could come up with any sort of accurate assessment. So, you know, I think a lot of people are trying to convince themselves of one thing or another. And, you know, in an absence of of information or, or knowledge, it's sort of easy to talk yourself uh, into anything. And, uh, you know, I think that's kind of how it would describe the situation with Otani. But the Blue Jays are there. They certainly are getting consideration. And are they ahead of the Dodgers? Are they behind the Dodgers? Are they behind somebody else? I, I, I just think that's – it's basically just throwing darts with blindfold on. The in terms of Juan Soto, uh, the Blue Jays have uh, again are absolutely engaged on that. I think based on at least what's being reported that uh, of the San Diego Padres asks, if it's at that level, the Blue Jays won't be bidding at that level. Now, if the price changes or something else changes in the coming days, then yeah, absolutely, think the, the situation could change on Juan Soto. But I think that the way that at least the Padres have positioned the ask to the New York Yankees based on the reporting that's been out there. I, I just can't see the blue Jays sending prospects at that level. Uh, you know, that would just, I think just be too much for the blue Jays to, to sacrifice off their roster to, to get a, a one-year rental. Um, in, in your, just, just a sense, uh, a feel. And again, it, it's fun because if you're not a fan of the team, it's, What's the point of being a fan if you can't fantasize about this kind of stuff, getting Juan Soto or Shohei Otani to play for the Blue Jays? Who's more likely to play for the Blue Jays in 2024, Shohei Otani or Juan Soto? Oh, that's an interesting question. I don't know that I've thought about it in that way. And, you know, I'd say a lot of the same things, right? Uh, the 
the Otani process, just Otani is so unique, right? For someone as well known across the sports world and really uh, outside it as well, there is just so little known about him and what he what he's really thinking and what he truly wants and what he values. I mean, there's been a lot of stuff out there and we interpreted, oh, he all he cares about is winning and then all he cares about is being the best player ever. There's probably obviously some truth to both those things, uh, but you know, is that the number one thing he wants in the destination? Is there something else that's important to him? We just don't know. And that's why I'm I'm reluctant to, uh, to hazard a guess. Uh, But, you know, to to answer your question with all that being said, I I, I would say Otani strictly for the fact that it's not a trade. It's just, it's just money. Yeah. Um, not not a small amount, obviously, but you know the Blue Jays don't have to sacrifice other players. It's a business decision, and clearly the they've gotten to the point. You know, there's a barrier of entry to get to to, to remain in play this point, and the Blue Jays have cleared that barrier to entry. So I, I guess for for those reasons, I'd say that maybe Otani is more likely, but beyond that, I mean, again. We're, we're throwing darts with blindfolds on. Sorry, how important is it for the Blue Jays to go out and actually get one of these guys when you look at the, the recent kind of history of the franchise between the disappointing exits from the postseason this, this past year, just really disappointing results in the postseason for the last six or seven years, and now being just this involved in the talks, how important is it for the organization to get at least one of these guys just to show the fan base that, yes, this thing is moving in the right direction? I mean, whenever you go into an offseason, you want to try to get the best players you possibly can, right? So, yeah, clearly important. They're, uh, the Blue Jays obviously didn't have the ending they wanted last year. There's obviously some both internal and external recalibration that needs to happen. Uh, they are under, they're finishing up a 300 plus million dollar renovation and need to sell uh, new premium seating packages uh, that are very, very expensive to people and require a five-year commitment. So they, they need to do something that is going to provide value for, for those customers all those elements are are at play, uh, but the Blue Jays could still have a very good offseason and enter 2024 with a very good team if they get neither of those guys, right? You could get, say, uh, you know, uh, a Reese Hoskins. Uh, you could add a Adam Duvall. You could re-sign Matt Chapman and maybe pick up another depth arm, and all of a sudden you've got a very, very good team as well. So, uh, you know, it's important, and, like, obviously it would make everybody feel good, but the Blue Jays can, again, still have a good offseason without either of those guys. One of the interesting wrinkles around the Shohei Otani conversation has been what Yusei Kikuchi's role is in all of this. What what can you glean as far as what Kikuchi has to do with this situation? You know, again, it's it's tough to uh, tough to know for sure because teams have been told that if stuff leaks out about the process, that it could end up uh, impacting uh, the decision. So the information has been very tight. 
I think it's safe to say that Yusei Kikuchi would be a part of it, though. It was, just makes sense. Countrymen, they went from the same area. They went to the same high school. Otani is said to have looked up to Yusei Kikuchi uh, at, at that point in time in, in his life. So the Blue Jays would use every element they have to try and convince him. You know, Yusei Kikuchi would also be able to relate about the experience of being a Japanese ball player in Toronto and hearing things from your, your countrymen about uh, a, a, a situation can sometimes uh, create an additional level of comfort and things of that nature. So it's reasonable to assume that Kikuchi has been involved in some way, shape or form, but just how much to what level, you know, I, we just don't know. Again, you know, I think teams are very, very, cautious because they don't want to do anything that would negatively impact their chances. And so, you know, think that when, once this is settled one way or the other, we'll get a, a much better sense of how this played out. Shai Davidi, Sportsnet baseball columnist, joining us live from the baseball winter meetings in Nashville in the Atlas pizza and sports bar guest hotline, big show, Russick and Rose, nine sixty. The fan, uh, Shai, just just again living in this hypothetical dream world. So the Blue Jays get Otani, they trade for Soto, they sign him to an extension. We're talking about a billion dollars for two guys, right? Yeah, and I wouldn't <laughs> with a B that scenario to to play out, right? Yeah, but I, I mean, you know, I, I sure, uh, but <laughs> I we have to keep in mind Juan Soto's. Uh, Let's say you did acquire Scott, uh, excuse me, Juan Soto. I mean, it's a Scott Boris client, someone who's already turned down $400 million plus from the Washington Nationals and an extension. This is someone who's going to the market. So uh, if you're trading for Juan Soto, I think you're doing that with the understanding that you're not extending him before he gets to free agency. Um, Shai, let's play like a power ranking game with you because doing stuff like this is super fun when it's the baseball hot stove. I'm going to give you four players uh, and rank them in players most likely to be traded on the Blue Jays and least likely. All right, here are the names. Vlad Jr., Bo Bichette, George Springer, Alec Manoa. So I would say the, the only one I'd consider even remotely likely would be Alec Manoa. Okay. And, and I don't think... And I don't think that's necessarily likely. I think it's I think it's the most possible of that group. Um, and I do, I think the other three would almost just have them tied. Like I don't think. I mean, maybe they could find a taker for George Springer, but the Blue Jays aren't going into this in a position needing to move money. They and they're not going into this saying like, oh, we got to get out from under these contracts. Uh, and and if you're and if the Blue Jays are intent on winning, they're not going to get value back for trading or enough enough return back for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or Bo Bichette to help them win in the next two years. So I would, you know, I would say that you know Manoa is the one that is possible, and I would say the the other three are equally unlikely for different reasons. If you're getting Juan Soto, would Vlad Jr. be in that package? Uh, no. I mean, okay. are you better? Are you better if you traded, uh, if you trade one uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And you know, mm. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is 
if if, if if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is far more likely to re-sign with the Blue Jays than Juan Soto is. Right. And so if you believe that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is still going to be a superstar player, and I'm in the camp that thinks he's going to have monster seasons and he's going to have a very substantial career, you know, why would you trade two years of Guerrero for one year of Soto? and short, shorten up your period of control, mm. and also for shortening up your period of control for an asset far less likely to be signed with you. Now, all that being said, Juan Soto would be great to bring into the fold. Are there other free agents that you think the Jays are kind of keeping their eye on that even if they are able to get one of these superstars that they still might try and engage with, try and bring into the organization to create a little bit of depth around the stars? For sure. I mean... I think the the class of sort of first base DH types that would include JD Martinez and Reese Hoskins, and um, you know, in, in that vein, like, those guys, if, if they sign, uh, manage to sign Otani, those guys are off the table because you need the DH spot for for Otani. But if they don't get Otani, then all those guys are back on the table and you know, good ways for the Blue Jays to add impact to their lineup. You know, be, those two guys are Justin Turner, uh, somebody, uh, you know, professional hitter type who's going to give you some production, maybe not as much defensive value. Uh, the Blue Jays are obviously keeping an eye on the third base market and still engaged a little bit with Matt Chapman. They're engaged with Jamer Candelario. They're, uh, Isaiah kind of is uh, sort of this uh, potential piece in the infield, maybe a little bit of outfield that's in play for them. Uh, and they're, you name it, they're on it. So the, there's obviously the plan A, there's some plan Bs, uh, but you know, the Blue Jays, the way they prepare, there's also C, D, E, F, and all, all that will start to play out once the Otani decision goes down. I think part of the Juan Soto conversation that's interesting is that the Yankees were heavily involved in trade talks that have apparently fallen apart. And anytime you can take something from that organization as the Blue Jays, that should be a positive for sure. Where do the Yankees kind of line up in all of these conversations? Well, you know, there's a part of me that wonders if some of the, the leaks about the Blue Jays are designed to try and get the Yankees to, to move a little bit, right? Like, the the piece you have to remember there's there's a ton of gamesmanship that happens right now, and where you know, teams are being leveraged and anything that gets out there's always you know one of the things you have to sort of ask is who benefits right when information leaks and I think how public some of the 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 Yankees Padres trade talks have become is to me very much designed to try and get the the Yankees to move and to see if uh, the uh, my guess is that the Padres are trying to just turn up pressure on the Yankees both from from their fans and in discussions in New York and uh, maybe within the front office as well and say like hey you don't get them oh watch the Blue Jays get Juan Soto so you know I I, I think the Yankees are going to be disappointed like I don't think any team is going to pay what the Padres are demanding or are, are reported to be demanding for Juan Soto right now. Like it's, it's, it's a, he's a great player, but it's one year and you can look back at the package that the Red Sox got for Mookie Betts. And to me, 
that might be more more uh, a more a better sort of comp to consider than some of the asks uh, that are being made right now. So, uh, you know, I think that that it's an interesting dynamic and interesting wrinkle in the market. Whenever something involves the Yankees with the Yankees in the situation that they're in, uh, it, it definitely creates some interesting play. And I think we're seeing that play out there quite a bit. Uh, so I think heading into this off season, I don't think a lot of Blue Jays fans thought maybe Shohei Otani was a realistic possibility for the Blue Jays. Clearly it is now and Juan Soto potentially a possibility, but where does Cody Bellinger fit in all of this? Cause doesn't he feel like a perfect fit for this Blue Jays lineup? He does, but I also can see that market creeping, or at least there's some speculation that, you know, that it's going to be, you know, maybe even mid two hundreds, maybe even above that in uh, where his final number ends up. And I'm not sure that that's, I think for the Blue Jays, Shohei Otani is a unicorn in so many ways, like the talent, the business opportunity, yeah. uh, the marketability, the, how transformational it is. I think that's why there's involvement there. I think for someone like a Bellinger, I'm not sure that the Blue Jays would get as undisciplined from their traditional approach uh, as it would be required to, to, to probably get that deal done. So yeah, he, he does fit in, in, uh, in a lot of ways for the Blue Jays, uh, the, the profile, the, the offensive ability, the defensive ability, uh, the, the track record, all those things, the, the, the clubhouse presence, but I'm wondering if that financially, that one maybe doesn't line up with where they're going. Um, who's getting Yoshi Yamamoto, uh, the Japanese pitcher? Uh, really interesting, too. I, I don't know. The Yankees are are deeply involved. The Mets are involved. The Giants, I know some people who think the Giants are, he, he's going to end up the number one uh, target for the for the Giants. The Blue Jays are monitoring that, but again, with how much pitching they have, I'm not sure how deeply involved. They're certainly not as involved on that right now as they are with Otani. So, uh, it's it's a it's a huge market for him. Uh, he's again somewhat unique in that it's a, he's he's a pitcher who's already dominant in his mid 20s, where you're buying almost all peak. or you're getting all his peak years and which is very unusual for a free agent so that's created a lot of opportunity for him and uh i think this is some of the big markets that are involved like one of them ends up getting him in all likelihood uh where does blake snell end up he might be i don't want to use the term consolation prize right but for the science award winner yeah right but you know, like, but the Giants, like, and this isn't like he's he's going to get at, at a discount, but, you know, the Giants, if they don't get, let's say the Giants don't get uh, Yamamoto or Otani uh, and they need to get some impact, then, you know, Snell all of a sudden becomes a, a lot more of a priority for someone like them. So I could certainly see them, you know, I don't know whether given – the way the Mets are trying to build right now, whether he ends up with the Mets, uh, you know, the Yankees have a pretty good, are in a pretty good situation with the rotation. They more need to address their offense, but 
you know, he if if they can't get impact uh, on the position player side, maybe they turn to someone like him. Uh, you know, the Red Sox need pitching uh, in a major way, and the expectation is that they get back to spending after uh, a few off seasons of being at the sidelines. So I think that's a, a pretty good group to to start off with. Um, Shire, just before I let you go, uh, you're one of the most respected baseball writers in this country. Uh, you do a terrific job of covering the Blue Jays in baseball for Sportsnet. But just from a personal level, could you imagine covering Shohei Otani on a day-in-day-out basis? Yeah, I mean, it'd be pretty fun. It's, uh, it's funny, I was talking to uh, a writer in a different city yesterday, and she was saying that if uh, Otani ends up in that city, that the, the newspaper there was considering creating a solely a Shohei Otani beat. And the point she made is like, it's almost like it would be almost like covering Babe Ruth only with, you know, without the, the covering the talent, without the personality. Um, it, it'd be, it, but it's that level of, yeah. of specialness that you'd be, that you'd be documenting. So, you know, on a personal level, it'd be pretty incredible to watch one of the most incredible baseball players ever uh, on a daily basis. So yeah, it'd be a ton of fun. There would also be a ton of challenges with it. But I think that you always want to be uh, covering big stories and inter- interesting stories. And I don't, I don't know that there are many as interesting or as big as Shohei Otani right now in baseball. Yeah, I'm sure Mark Shapiro would be totally cool putting up a lot of Japanese advertising in Rogers Center if it meant Shohei Otani uh, was coming to the Blue Jays. They'd be totally okay with that. Yeah, I don't think anybody would be complaining about that yeah. influx of marketing opportunity. Yeah, it would be all right. All right, Shy, uh, enjoy Opryland. Maybe try the water slide because it looks fun. Uh, thanks for this, pal. I appreciate it. Do there well. is Shy Davidi uh, from the baseball winter meetings in Nashville on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. You can't see Shapiro and Atkins holding on to each other going, wee down the water I slide. I can. Shia didn't seem as on board for that And then, one. like, no. Atkins is like, uh, we need to dilute our fun uh, down this water slide or something. He'd say something. Yeah, like that was that. good. Yeah. Nice. He likes saying dilute. Yeah, he's got a lot of lawyer speak in him. Um, straight guy, just like, oh, time for a presser. Let me get my thesaurus out. Yeah. Find some with lots of syllables here. I, I'm going to say something without telling you anything, which is a mastery of the Blue Jays front office. Brad Trillian straight ahead. That really well, too. Uh, straight ahead, our big show Flames analyst, Mr. Brent Cron in studio. We also have a concert announcement to do at 8 o'clock, which is kind of a big deal, but it won't really involve us, but we're going to announce it. It might involve us. You don't know that. Okay. We might go. All right. Uh, maybe, big maybe time we'll, concert announcement. Maybe we'll be the opener. And we're giving away um, day one of our Wild Rose Brewery, uh, 12 Days of Christmas. We'll do that at 8. Maybe they'll be in the nice 45. pond. Like, you're showing me photos of the uh, Opryland. It looks beautiful. I'd love to go there. Like, yeah. Nashville's such a fun place. It is. It's got to be, like, number I've been one there. On, my, on my, like, it, like there's a chance Cavs could get drawn into Nashville to go play them in that Champions oh, Cup. that would be fun. That would be awesome. Like, it'd, be, I, it'd be early February in Nashville, I, so it'd be a little chilly. I went in November of 2019, right before the pandemic, yeah. and my friend Rob, who went with us, like, he knows he's been to Nashville. His recollection of Nashville is fun. <laughs> like, we tell him stories about Nashville. He's like, really? What? That happened? What? Like, he's been there, but does not remember Nashville. <laughs> That's how good Nashville is. Oh, I love that. Brent Cron in studio next. Big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan.